0: all right welcome everyone to another episode of sales pipeline radio my name is matt hines i am your host we are here every week thursday at 11 30 pacific 2:30 eastern Thank you, everyone, for watching us. If you're watching us live in the middle of your workday, your work week, thank you very much for doing so. Because you are live, if you're watching live, you can be part of the show. If you have a comment on what we talk about today, if you have a question for our guest, Omi, today, uh, please feel free to throw those in the LinkedIn comments, and we'll make sure we highlight you in the show, get your question on air. If you're watching this on demand or if you're listening to this through the podcast, thank you so much for listening, for watching, for subscribing. uh, Every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, past, present, and future always available at salespipelineradio.com. I'm very excited for our episode today. This is about six months in the making. I feel like we first started talking about this in February, which feels like not only was it a long time ago, but like a whole economic period ago, (laughs) potentially. Um, Omi Bell, you're the CEO of Black Girl Ventures. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: I am as well. Um, So many things we can talk about. I'm going to start with the vacuum cleaners, because I think, you know, we talked about, you know, the work you are doing to help uh, minorities, black and brown people get better access to capital to grow their business. I want to talk about that and sort of where that came from and and, and how people can get involved. But you mentioned that you got your start in sales that helped you learn how to be a, a fundraiser selling vacuum cleaners. Talk a little bit about how you got into that and what's it like to be a vacuum cleaner salesperson?
1: Well, you know, hello to the Sales Pipeline Radio audience. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. You know, if you think about it, it when you are selling vacuum cleaners, this is pre-COVID, pre-Monkeypox, pre-World Gone Wild. Um, <laughs> you had to walk up to someone's door, right? Get them to let you in their house to show them something that they already own, right? Like, I don't know any other layer of sales that deep, where it's like, hey, I got to let get into your house, And show you something that you already have and tell you why mine is better. And the person who trained me, what he would do is he would say, everybody's coming through and showing you. It was Electrolux, the ones that I was using, Mm -hmm. that I was selling. He would say, you know what, everybody's coming through and showing you these vacuum cleaners. But the one thing that they're trying to sell you on is the thing that is not the thing that the vacuum cleaner does best. Vacuum. They're selling you on shampooing. They're selling you on, you know, noise, all these different things but they're not selling you on this. Let me just show you how well it vacuums. Mm -hmm. And it would hit the core of people, right? Where they're like, actually, I do want to vacuum better. You know, and I think that when you get that buy-in, that's the key. But now when you're outside the door, you only have a small window to get into the door. One, the door has been slamming in your face a bunch of times. So when I say it prepared me for fundraising, it was because it it literally... Prepare me for what I like to call the rhythm of no's. Yeah. <laughs> like, no's have a beat to them. You know, right. and you, you have to figure out your dance and how you're going to get over the next no uh, because they will happen. No is a part of life. You don't, you just keep going because you know there's a yes coming somewhere. Right. And so you start to get better at the spiel at the door. Hey, I am up, door closed. <laughs> you know, like, up, oh, that's it.
0: So a couple of things I want to follow up on that then. I mean, you talk about sort of the rhythm of nos, which I think a lot of salespeople can can relate to. There's a level of persistence and resilience that is required to work through that. How do you learn that? How do you get comfortable with that? What what was what made you successful at getting to the next door and the next door and the next door?
1: It's a workout. You know, I wish I had a magical tip that was just like, oh yeah, and I, you know, went to therapy i did that but that wasn't it so (laughs) it was really it's like working a muscle right and you have to you don't walk in and now you are a bodybuilder in a day and it's in a gym you actually run you run through a few of them and you start it's interesting because what happens is at first it feels so personal and after you do it so many times you move into the space of okay is this about me like like i want to walk you through like a psychological like Oh my God. You know, like first you're like, Oh, well, that didn't feel good. Uh, You know, was there something I could have done? And then after you run that rhythm of some of knocking on so many doors, you start to, you start to understand like, Oh, how can I refine what I'm doing? And at the, at the base of it, it's the human spirit. Yeah. You just start to appeal, appeal to the human spirit differently and as, as genuinely as you possibly can and then draw them into a question that they answer in their heads that then you don't have to answer for them. Right. So, so like you're the thing you have is the answer mm-hmm. and they just need to see it, but you got to get them to understand that psychologically. So honestly, it's just, like I said, rhythm, it is constantly doing it. Don't give up,
0: mm-hmm. run
1: right back in there and try it again. And then what you, what you end up finding out is it's not personal. Yeah. Yeah. It's not personal at all.
0: What I, can, what I can see and hear in hearing you is a level of confidence right? that I'm sure that is in part um, from just having done it a lot, just getting back up and going to the next door. Confidence in yourself, confidence in your message, confidence in your product. Um, let's talk about how that relates to fundraising because fundraising is a sales process. Fundraising also typically means a chorus of no's on a regular basis. What lessons were you able to pull from your sales career into being a more successful fundraiser?
1: I mean, it's just understanding the the psychology of the funder, right? Like Mm -hmm. we both have something that we want and understanding that from their standpoint, there's a couple of things. I always tell people like, no, just means not right now. It's not the right person or it's not the right alignment. That's Mm -hmm. it. No, is not a sentence. Like it's not a death sentence. It is not the right person, not the right time, not the right ask. Sometimes you're talking to people that don't have power. You know, another Mm -hmm. thing, you know, when you're standing at that door, you may be talking to the husband who can't do anything without the wife. You may be talking to the wife who can't do anything without the husband. Mm -hmm. You may be talking to the grown adult child that that (laughs) really has no money and can't do anything at all. And when you start to like, oh, okay, you look at these levers, you know, and the same thing happens in fundraising. Sometimes you think you're talking to the right person and you're talking to the marketing person, not the fund manager or not the, Program manager that can help you. Sometimes you're talking to, sometimes, interestingly enough, with the with the husband and wife um, example I just gave. Sometimes you're talking to the person that you think has the power. You're like, oh, well, you're the head of DEI. You're the head of marketing, don't you? And it's like, oh no, I gotta, you know, I gotta socialize this.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I remember years ago, I was at Microsoft, we were doing, uh, we did some research around um, homeowners and home buyers, and we found that um, even traditionally, like, men in the household are only responsible and only have authority for buying three things, beer, batteries, and tires. Everything else, <laughs> everything else was either a joint discussion or, like, I got to go talk to my wife about that um, before we make a decision.
1: Wow, uh, that is so, that is actually, like... I would love to run that data on like other things too. Like I wonder how that works in like philanthropy. I wonder how that works with like, yeah, that's so interesting because just like I said, like sometimes you're looking at these people and you're thinking, but you're the head of it, right? Can't you just sometimes yeah. they don't have their own budgets. The
0: heads well, don't have their own budgets. And sometimes we think about like consumer decisions sometimes being sort of a singular thing and B2B is like you got this committee of people that have to read decisions. But I mean, look, you know, you got influence, even if you're saying like, I own the budget or I own the money, like influence, like if I make this decision and someone doesn't like it, I have to, imp- I have to live with that later. It gets complicated quickly. I do want to make sure because we're going to run out of time here. I want to to talk about Black Girl Ventures, the work you are doing to help black and brown female owners uh, and entrepreneurs get access to capital. You've helped over 270 businesses create thousands of jobs. So first of all, thank you and congratulations for that. Talk a little bit about how did you get started with this um, and why is it so important to you?
1: You know, I would say it's so directly related to sales, just because, like I said, when you run those reps, you gain that confidence. You then feel like, well, hey, let's just try something. Right. Let's just throw something at the wall, see what happens. I, you know, the prob- the news came out, black women and I started businesses at six times the national average. At, this is pre-pandemic. Black women started businesses at six times the national average, yet receiving less than one percent of venture capital. And my thought was, I could do something about that. And through my experience of like building community, I done. I lived many lives, by the way. Um, I worked for the, for the uh, Tr- Patent and Trademark Office, worked in K 12 education, worked in workforce development, and I was an artist like doing performance poetry. So I learned building through that. I really I put it up on Meetup.com. Thirty women showed up to a house in Southeast DC. We voted, four people pitched, and we voted with marbles and coffee mugs. I mean, it was a brunch. I took the money from the door and gave it to the person that we decided that won. Mm-hmm. If you like that person, you put your marble in their coffee mug. And honestly, at that point, that was it. I was just like, oh, this is cool. People like it. And so I just kept doing it, finding other community spaces. I think as naturally it's from a businesswoman standpoint, started looking at like, oh, like, how do I get the most people in front of the people who need the most help? And mm-hmm. that is really what it's been about. How do I get the most people that can help in the community in front of the people who have the most need? And yep. that's kind of how we work. So it's capital, capacity and community.
0: It's such a great model. Um, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and founders and everyone has stories of resilience and having gotten no's a lot of the time. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a white male, um, you know, neurotypical cis. I mean, I have a lot of privilege and I think it's hard for me sometimes to understand or to know sort of how hard it can be for people without some of that privilege. Talk about, you know, what you see in the market, someone with darker skin, who's also female, what are some of the specific challenges they're facing um, in terms of raising money and growing their business that we need more people to know about?
1: Number one, belief and trust.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, immediately because you are, and this is studies show this, you know, right? Like this is not Matt and Omi make it up, you know, just what we think. Studies show that if you are darker skin, um, that you're number one, just not trusted, just just on sight. Like you haven't even said anything yet, mm-hmm. Right. I also think there is then because of underrepresented people in the, in the country being in a vulnerable state because of redlining, lack of access to capital over time. This is not a new problem. This is a huge problem that's been like snowballing all the way through life, you know, decades. And mm-hmm. here we are now trying to figure out how we unravel it or how we just kind of like throw it to the side and do something new. How do mm-hmm. we get innovative around it? So it feels like we're stuck a bit. You know, I would say that like the challenge is just being believed as a person of color is number one. I know that sounds so crazy, but it's just that simple. And saying, um, taking the risk tolerance around, hey, a person like you has never done this before from what I know in my position. Therefore, it feels risky to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus like a white male get, comes on a job. He's automatically trusted until he fails. Versus you're not trusted and you need to prove. So that narrative alone is breaking us down in humanity, just even being able to look into uh, some deeper innovations that black and brown people have. Get Mm -hmm. past that, I think. And then we can do we can now talk about the capital we have, how you have to get it. But that is a huge barrier.
0: Uh, we're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with uh, Omi Bell. She is the CEO of Black Girl Ventures. Um, I'm sure you get this question a lot. Like people say, "Listen, how do I help? Like, what can I do to be a better advocate? What can I do to? I mean, I can give money, but like, you know, what are the things that I can do that are accessible to me that I can be a an active advocate and participant in sort of creating more opportunity? What are you, How do you answer that question?
1: i think one thing you can do is start to, so some things you can do just as a single part like b- with yourself is kind of mm-hmm. start to become more aware of mm-hmm. the bias just become more aware you can do that through reading articles you can do it through watching youtube videos you can do that do do that through discovery on your own it's like becoming more aware so when you're in these conversations with friends and there's certain things that are flying by you're able to go oh hey wait a minute Actually, why don't we just think about it a little deeper or tell or just unpack that? So I think getting curious is number one. Mm-hmm. I think sharing, if it's not, if it's not money, like you don't want to not, you don't want to donate, but that seems like the easier thing to do. But sharing, like, hey, I have an opportunity that I can actually share with someone that would make sense to diversify what's here. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to use like building bridges because I feel like you can build a bridge and nobody cross it right we've mm-hmm. been we've been talking about bridge building for decades and we still haven't solved the challenge so i look at it like raise the average if you're in a room and you look around you like this is a really white room right now mm-hmm. <laughs> like it would just raise the average number of black people that mm-hmm. get to attend this thing or people of color that get to attend this thing you know look at your linkedin profile go through a couple pages where are you on diversifying just who you're connected to yeah
0: um i want to ask you about just hiring as well like you know we've had a few different sessions around increasing the level of diversity in, in marketing efforts. And one of the big headlines that's come out of that for me is like, to be more diverse in your marketing, you need to be more diverse in your team. If your team pretty creating that marketing is itself not diverse, it's harder to, to come up with that. What are some recommendations you have for hiring managers to sort of increase the diversity of their teams, as well as, you know, maybe the consultants and others that are contributing to ideas to increase its diversity
1: um the example that my um, cfo uses is like the avengers right and so uh in the moment where they need to defeat thanos everybody has to concentrate their their power on thanos now everybody can't have the same power right so like because then it's not more powerful right so like if we're just having the same power it's not more powerful we are more powerful when you have diverse we have different angles that the power is coming from and concentrated into where you want to win, mm-hmm. right? Now, In the, when we, if they were to not trust each other and turn to the left or right, they'd kill each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like in this yep. scenario, right? So when you think about like diverse thought, having more people at the table is going to give you more ideas. Right now, Netflix has a show called 100 Humans. It's super mm-hmm. interesting to watch. I think, and it's got every people from different age groups. It's got 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Well, they gave them an exercise where uh, the 20s and the 60s actually are winning. And they're like, why? And it's like, what is happening? Why are the 20s and the 60s winning? It's like, because in your 20s, you're more carefree. In your mm-hmm. 60s, you're also more carefree. You're mm-hmm. you're settled on life in your 60s, and in your 20s, you're you're new to life. Mm-hmm. So the, the approach that these two can take is different from what any other people can take. And that's the way to look at it, is like where people are in life diversity can mean multiple things it can mean it could mean skin skin color but it can also mean gender background mm. degree like schooling where you're located so age so think about about diversity very broadly and say what are the best personalities and things that are going to take us to win
0: yeah no thank you for that and i think you know, I appreciate you like talking about the diversity of diversity, right? You know, you start to think about accessibility questions. You start to think about the way people learn. You know, neuro ne- neurotypical, or you know, other challenges, or just you know, just superpowers, quite frankly, that some people have that are different from others. That are, quite frankly, just you know, part of defeating Thanos as well. Um, uh, Omie, I know you. I know you're busy. We got to let you go. If people want to learn more about Black Girl Ventures, more read more about your perspective and how they can help, and just sort of better becoming better aware and educating themselves, where where can they go and learn?
1: Yeah, you can go to BlackGirlVentures.org. www.blackgirlventures.org. You can also go to OmisWorld.com. O M I S World.com.
0: Love it. Awesome. Well, Omi Bell, uh, CEO of Black Girl Ventures, thank you so much for all the great work you're doing. Thank you. I know you're crazy busy. Thank you for spending some time with us here on Sales Pipeline Radio today as well.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. appreciate you being here. We'll be here next week, every Thursday, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Until then, my name is Matt Hines. We'll see you next week.